Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It's great to see all of you here. Uh, One thing that every religion has in common, even secular religion, uh, is uh, some sort of a sense of ethics. We all have ethics in common. This morning I was working up a sweat on Peloton, which is the largest secular religion in probably the country right now. And uh, my priest, I mean the coach, uh, said, you know, uh, she said, uh, what you give to the universe, it gives back to you. Now I happen to think that's complete and total nonsense, but it is a religion. It's an ethic. The epistle of St. James and our gospel reading on first glance, appear to be nothing more than ethics. For example, in our reading today, St. James, it ends with the last verse with him writing, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress, and keep oneself unstained by the world. Or in other words, don't be corrupt. This is ethical. And at face value, this teaching is not unique to world religions. You can find something similar in other religions, like the Quran, and you can find something similar in the teachings of the Bab, or the Buddha, or my Peloton coach's favorite, the secret. Uh, You know, ethics are what make, on one level, the world go around. And it is for this reason why people get involved Even atheists get involved in religion. Did you guys see the story in the New York Times this week? They ran an article about the new head chaplain at Harvard University. His name is Greg Epstein. He's authored a book called Good Without God, and all of his colleagues think he's really, really, really good. But more groundbreaking, he happens to be an atheist. An atheist chaplain at Harvard. Can you stand it? a place that was designed to raise up ministers for the gospel. But when justifying his position at Harvard, he told the Times, quote, there's a rising group of people who no longer identify with any religious tradition, but still experience a real need for conversation and support around what it means to be a good human and live an ethical life. Ethics. And this is true. Maybe this is why you've come into St. George's today. Everyone at some point in their life is looking for some sort of sage advice on how they can improve themselves. That's why I'm on the Peloton. And how they can improve the world around them. And that in and of itself can be a very good and noble thing. And this is my first point. Serve the orphans. Serve widows. Keep unstained from the world. Give back to the universe. Every religion essentially has an ethic. As Harvard has demonstrated, even atheists have an ethic. Christians theologically refer to this as the law. St. Paul tells us in Romans, because the law, ethics, is written on our hearts 
or to use psychology, the law is actually wired into our conscience. And therefore, what the law does is it draws us inward, and it tells us, hey, Jake, something's not right. And then it calls us to a higher road, a better self, a more ordered and just world. And it calls us to that by saying, stop it, fix it, make it better. It's wired in us. This is why so many of us, both religious and secular, are outraged as we watch things unfold in this country. We're outraged as we watch things unfold in Afghanistan and Haiti. However, and this isn't unique to any religion, we all have this in common, this call to do something inward, this focus on ethics alone, and this is beginning to make what Christianity, what makes it unique, is because Christianity begins to say, actually, that call inward has never produced that which it ultimately demanded. So every religion will tell you to go inward and try and make it better. But Christianity says, listen, all those calls inward have never, ever made it better. If it has, show me the utopia. My wife and I last summer were obsessed. And I encourage you to listen to it. It's amazing. We were obsessed with this podcast called Nice Try. And the point of the podcast was all about utopias and people's attempts to develop it. However, when it came to fulfilling this perfect ethic to create the human utopia, humans, our problem is we can't seem to ultimately avoid ourselves. We get in the way. I love that old saying from AA, my best decisions got me here. (laughs) There's some real truth to that. For as St. Paul points out in Romans 8, and you interpret James through Paul, not not a Paul through James. And I'll talk more about that next week. But as St. Paul points out in Romans 8, that which the law demanded, the love of orphans and widows, undefilement from the world, that's true religion, that which the law demands, well, even though I may know and understand that ideal, the power from within is ultimately unable to produce that which the law, that which ethics demands. As St. James says in our reading today, it's like a mirror. And that mirror begins to reveal about me something horrendous. And oh, how quickly I forget. Oh, how quickly I'd rather not look at the mirror, mirror on the wall. In fact, ethics alone, as we're seeing play out in this world, instead of utopia, as we're seeing play out in this country, as we're seeing play out in Afghanistan, as we're seeing play out in the world around us, ethics alone, ultimately within the human heart, because we forget that reflection, leads to three things. It leads to either tyranny, it leads to denial, or it leads to despair. This is one of the many lessons that Jesus is teaching in our gospel reading when you read it as a whole. 
the Pharisees and the scribes had taken some washing regulations. Who would have thought we'd be talking about hand washing right now? But he takes washing regulations. The Pharisees and the scribes took these washing regulations for the priestly class found in Leviticus 11. And what they did was they took it and expanded it and they applied it to every Jew. They applied those ethics to every person so that everyone might improve themselves before God and rise up to the Pharisee and scribes' perceived standard. In fact, the Pharisees and scribes had developed 613 regulations in order to stay holy and just before God. Yet as Jesus points out, their desire for a holy and ethical nation, which is good, which was God's desire as well, on their own, in their hands, had turned into a form of tyranny. For the Pharisees and the scribes did not hesitate to point out a misstep of one of these regulations and look down upon the crowd. They had forgotten their own reflection. And they looked down even upon Jesus and the disciples. You see, they forgot the purpose of the ethical mirror. And the ethical mirror ultimately reflected that they themselves weren't meeting perfectly the law. Because as Jesus teaches, quoting the prophet Isaiah, their hearts were not in it. Their hearts were far from me. And this is my second point. We have an innate ability in our pursuit for ethics to begin to define ourselves by our ability to accomplish them or not. And we love to take our inward focus on ethics and apply it to everyone but ourselves. Nations do it to nations. Political parties do it to political parties. Husbands do it to wives. Wives do it to husbands. Neighbors do it to neighbors. Roommates do it to roommates. Parents do it to their kids. And as we get older, we notice that kids do it to their parents. And ultimately, with ethics alone, what happens? This one thing that all religion has in common, ethics alone, we begin to kill the fruit of love, and we wind up hating each other, creating, as James writes to this church, sordidness and all rank growth of wickedness. Ultimately, ultimately, ethics cannot, nor will they ever save you. Because ethics alone have no power to deal with our problem, which is sin. That affects every single one of us. You see, sin, what it does inside of us, and this is a great insight from St. Paul, is that sin takes those ethics, those good things, and it curves us inward so that the self and experience become the ultimate authority. I'm not saying ethics are bad. They ultimately reveal an ideal. But what I am saying is that ethics cannot prevent us from the propensity within us to tyranny, denial, and despair. So then, what can ultimately save us? 
And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. We're not all basically the same. This is what ultimately can save us. What has the power to unravel us from ourselves and our inward ego, which seems to so often take over the equation. When one reads James, and you have to read him very closely, and you can read him closely when you read him through Paul. When one reads James, you see he sprinkles his ethic with a call, unlike every other religion. He sprinkles his ethic with a call not to look within. But take a look closely here in chapter 1. He sprinkles it with a call to look without James, even in this first chapter, calls us to something outside of us, which makes all the difference in the world. James writes, Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He's calling us outside of ourselves. You see, when ethics are the main thing, when ethics are driving the boat as opposed to this thing outside of us, when ethics remain in our hearts, life with God and life with each other ultimately becomes a two-way street. This is how we treat each other. You do your part, and then I'll do mine. Give to the universe, and it will give back to you. See that two-way street? However, the gospel, this one thing that James is calling us to look outside of ourselves to, this one thing that makes Christianity unique, the gospel, the good news, is about a perfect gift, which is Jesus Christ crucified for you, Jesus Christ risen for you, Jesus Christ ascended and coming again for you. You see, this is first and only a one-way street, all God to you, all God in Christ loving you, showering you with mercy, and being gracious to you without anything expected in return. God helps those who help themselves is not a Christian idea. Some of you have heard me say this. This was developed by St. Benjamin Franklin, who was a deist, not a Christian. When focused inward, you see, everything becomes about us, ultimately, and our purpose, and how everyone else ultimately fits into that purpose for me, because I know best. However, when we're pulled up outside of ourselves and focused outward on the gospel, specifically on that perfect gift, the gospel, Jesus Christ for you, James teaches us our life is understood in fulfillment, as he writes, of God's own purpose, which is the forgiveness of our sins, which makes us new creations. And that new creation ultimately reconciles us to God and then to our neighbor. For ultimately, the only way to save ourselves from anger, because it's that two-way street that drives us crazy, I mean, I'm just talking about me, not you. But I get so livid when people don't do their part. And it leads to tyranny. 
It leads to denial. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know? It leads to despair. How's this ever going to get fixed? They're not doing their part. But the only way to save us from this anger is to receive or welcome with meekness, as James says, the implanted word, Christ and his gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, outside of you being placed within you. That has the power, not ethics, to save your soul. And here's the thing. When that implanted word, the gospel, moves into your heart, hear me out on this. You've got to pay attention right here. When that implanted word, the gospel, moves into your heart, there's ultimately no room for anything else. And what happens is, is that gospel, Christ, by grace, that implanted word moves the ethics of the law out of your heart to where it belongs, into your feet and into your hands in service of your neighbor. Not with any expectation of reward. The gospel moves our ethics from ideals to actual selfless actions of charity, acts of mercy, and kindness to our neighbor. Fruit, not for our sake, but purely theirs. What James is teaching here is no ordinary run-of-the-mill religious ethics. This is true religion that lines up with the entire Bible, that says, drop your bootstraps. Quit trying to pull yourself up. And by faith, believe the gospel. The gospel that has made you free, has made you fruitful, and converts us to not just hearers of the word, but quiet and humble doers of the word for our neighbor's sake. In fact, you won't even know you're probably doing it. And this is my third point. And let me close with this. All religions have ethics in common. Ethics won't save you. The thing that makes Christianity unique is the good news of the gospel. God giving you all that you need in your failure to attain those ethics. And the heart, a heart, your heart, my heart, that with meekness has received the implanted word, can. And that is exactly what God's in the business of doing. Giving that heart on a daily basis. And he has given you that heart. And a heart that beats with the Spirit, He's given you. A heart that is free from sin, He's given you. A heart that's not bent on the inward self, but turned outward to God in faith and neighbor in love, He's given you. My brothers and sisters, that is your heart. And why is it your heart? Because that is the heart Christ died to win for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.